happy Pentecost Sunday. I, I think this should be one of those celebrations we take part in every year, similar to Christmas and Easter as well. I believe this is so important, uh, Pentecost Sunday. Uh, and yet what I grew up in the church, the uh, stream of faith I grew up in, never mentioned, <laughs> or rare, rarely mentioned. And, uh, but I think it's so important because it's just a reminder of the beautiful gift that God gave us. Yeah. So anyway, so today the church around the globe is celebrating Pentecost Sunday. And Pentecost is basically, it's a Old Testament festival celebration that took place 50 days after Passover. It was called the, the, the Festival of Passover is what it was, celebration of Passover. They would have a feast. And, uh, but for the church, it's monumental. It is a powerful event that took place 50 days after Jesus broke bread, celebrated the Passover with his disciples and his followers. And it was, it was everything changed as a result of that. And so today, I, I just want to touch on one, what I believe is the most essential part of it. We sang about it, and I think it's important that we just focus on this and to realize that it's not just today that's Pentecost Sunday. We live in Pentecost, okay? The Acts Church, that, it's not the Acts Church, but when the church was birthed, it was birthed in this. So it's not like one day thing and then we're, we go back to whatever back is. We don't do that. It's, uh, it's a powerful event. So there is a phenomenon in our world, in our, with, amongst humans and between human beings and God and that, that exists that if you, if someone didn't point it out, you would miss it. You would absolutely miss it. And I believe it's a phenomenon. And that, that phenomenon is presence. When people, when someone comes alongside. By the way, so when I say that, when the, the two years we went through with a number of restrictions, especially if you recall back at the very beginning, when it was almost like, I don't know if you drove the streets during that time, but it was like <laughs> freaky. <laughs> it was like ghost town, right? There, there, there was some angst in humanity and when you think of people who were in the hospital, there were certain people in hospitals, nursing homes, and stuff like that, who were isolated. It was the pain of unpresence, not the presence of others. So presence is so important. I think of when I was, uh, you've heard the story, when I was hit by a car just before I turned four in the hospital for six weeks. My mom came to visit me on the bus from Stony Creek into Hamilton every single day. And just having her there, her presence there, was so important to me. Because it was hard to be in the hospital. Very hard to be in the hospital. When I think of people who are nearing death and their families will, will, will be around them, right? You read that in the obituaries. You know, their, their family was with them when they died and stuff. So important, and I see that frequently because I'm a, like I, I do an on-call chaplain at the hospital, and I'm only called generally when someone has died or they're dying or it's, uh, you know, they've received a grave diagnosis and, and they need a chaplain, they want a chaplain there. And, and those times, you can, those times can be awkward. Uh, for me to go because I don't know them. I'm coming into something that's very personal, personal and intimate. But what I, what I remember though, is it's not about how I feel. What I remember is who I'm bringing, that the presence of the Holy Spirit is going to be there. 
and I just have to be there. I don't have to, I don't have to say any, like a lot of words or anything like that. I have no answers for them. They're in deep pain at this point. And, and when I'm there, I see the family members and the love they show. They're just there in the presence of, as this person transitions from life to death. And it's, uh, it's, it's amazing. And the whole thing about presence is something we, we see throughout Scripture as well. Genesis. We know the creation story. Adam and Eve are created in all of creation. And then Adam and Eve, they... Uh, well, what happens is the serpent comes along. We know the story. The serpent comes along. And using manipulative language, the serpent causes them to question God, to doubt God's that God's uh, going is true to his word. And as a result of that, um, the relationship is fractured. Shame comes upon. And what does Adam and Eve do? They hide themselves, right? They hide themselves from God's presence. There's a fracture that has taken place. But you notice what God does. God is, comes looking for them not because God is out to get them or anything like that. There's, where's the pre- I'm to be present with you, right? Where are you? And he goes looking for them. And you see this. And it, it's because humanity and God, presence is essential in who we are as beings. Very essential. We need one another. We need the presence of God with us. Now, in Isaiah... Speaking about presence, he's a prophet, and we all know this verse we're going to see here because we, do, we, we read it at Christmas um, regularly, faithfully. You see it on Christmas cards, right? And it's this one here where God speaks through the prophet Isaiah. All right, then the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. It's presence. Of all the names that this coming Savior could be called, the one name that is given from God through the prophet is God is with us. It's presence. Presence. And then we have, finally, there's a different type of presence when God sends his son Jesus into our world to come to earth. Remember, the word becomes flesh, dwells among us, and you get this physical presence now of God among the people. And they see Jesus. They can feel Jesus. They hear Jesus' words as God speaks through Jesus, right? Because as we hear Jesus, that is God speaking. Now, here's the neat thing. Matthew, in his gospel, he makes this subtle structure in forming his gospel. This is the amazing thing about the, the writers in Scripture. It's not something they didn't just like, you know, jot stuff down like a journal, right? They were very thoughtful about how they wrote their gospels or how they wrote their letters. Um, David was an amazing poet along with the other poets. They were very skillful in what they did. They were skillful. And Matthew was very skillful in structuring his gospel. Now, I would like to take credit that I discovered this, but I didn't. My, I don't, and I don't know my brother did either, but I learned it from him. My brother, he's a retired pastor, and uh, 
Matthew was his thing was when he was going through seminary and stuff. Matthew begins his gospel with the genealogy of Jesus. And then he moves into, right, when Joseph, he talks about the birth of Christ, and Joseph gets a visit from Gabriel, the angel. And Gabriel says, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And Matthew writes, all this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Matthew put in there Isaiah's prophecy from God. That's how it begins. And my brother said, how does Matthew win? And I was like, well, that's an easy one. Jesus says to his disciples before he ascends, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And what Matthew has done, he has taken his gospel, what he's written, and he's bookended it with God's presence is with us. Jesus is with us. We have God with us through our lives is what you see there, what Matthew does. And I find that simply sweet of Matthew. Thank you, Matthew, for being so skillful. And then when Jesus is just just hours away from his death, how does he encourage his disciples? He says this to them in John's, in John's gospel, if you love me, speak unto them, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will, what? Never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. That's how he comforts and encourages his followers as he he nears his ends. And in that one line, Jesus speaks about the unity within the Trinity, right? There's that unity because, and because he says, the Spirit's been with you. But when the advocate comes, he's going to be in you. And I want you to really remember that. The Spirit isn't just to come to be a presence in the air or whatever like that. That God has sent his Spirit to live in us, in you to have God's presence in us, in our beings, in our cells. And then it happens. So imagine, put yourself one of the followers. After Jesus has ascended, he's told you to wait until I send the Holy Spirit, because then you'll be empowered, and then you can go out into all the world. Wait. He didn't even say, wait how long. He just said, wait. So imagine this is like day 36. (laughs) Come on. Do you not think some of them, probably it would be the disciples, probably wouldn't be some of the followers, they'd be more committed, would be going, so you really think anything's going to happen? Like, we've been waiting here for a long time praying. What else do we pray about? (laughs) Right? 
And, but there'd have to be encouraging. No, no, come on. Jesus said it. You know, he said to wait. So let's wait. Let's keep waiting. And then finally, Pentecost comes. And I, who knows how they celebrated that if they did. And probably did. And then, whew, <laughs> something happens, right? And Luke, who I so appreciate, he records it. And Luke says this, on the day of Pentecost, all the disciples, all the believers were meeting together in one place and suddenly there was a sound from the heavens like the roaring of mighty windstorm that filled the house where they were sitting and then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And the empowered church was birthed. It was birthed. And it didn't change. It's always been the empowered church, whatever it looks like. It's always been the empowered church. And here's the thing, guys. I want to be someone who longs for the presence of the Spirit. I want to know the Holy Spirit. I want God close to me. I want that reality that God wants to live in me. It's not just a feeling out here. I want to know God here, deep inside. That's what I want to know. And it's not because of the power. It's not that I want to seek that more than that. And by the way, unless you haven't picked it up from Scripture, the power isn't some muscular power or dynamite like that. It's the power of love. And that's not. And love isn't fluffy, by the way. Love defeats anything, everything. Love conquers it all and does it. And it's not because we don't seek the Holy Spirit for the spiritual gifts. The spiritual gifts are... are are good. But Jesus, wants, the Holy Spirit, God, wants to be present with us. Did you know God longs to be present with you? He longs for that. Longs for. I like what Luke records. If Matthew's my brother's favorite writer, Luke is my favorite. <laughs> so we have different favorites, but that's okay. But Luke records Jesus' words in chapter 11. This, I, I believe this is one of the pivotal verses when it comes to the Holy Spirit to remember, because it sort of sets what our posture should be when it comes to the Holy Spirit. This is in Luke 11, in Jesus' words, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Well, of course not. Of course you don't. So if you sinful people then know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now you've got to ponder and think about that. You really need to think. I, I need to think about it. 
but it gives the Father great pleasure. And Luke, just in the next chapter, in chapter 12, Luke records that it gives, he uses the words, gives the Father great pleasure to give you the kingdom. If you're a parent and you've given gifts to your kid for birthday or for Christmas or for whatever, was there probably more thrill from you than, from, than, than the kid experienced? Of course. You want to see them open it. Remember April and I, when we bought little Zach, his blue, a blue car, a little blue pedal car for him. <laughs> we were more excited than him because <laughs> he wanted a blue car. And so we bought him that. He was thrilled, but we were more thrilled that he was thrilled. It was like my, our thrill thrilled him and his thrill thrilled us. And it was like, wow, let's all celebrate. You got your blue car. That's God. That's God. Gives him great pleasure to give us the Holy Spirit. Great pleasure. So some things to keep in mind concerning this most wonderful gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And, so, and it's a beautiful gift. Some things I want us to keep in mind. It's Jesus who baptized his church. It's Jesus who birthed his church by sending the Holy Spirit. Jesus did it once for all, for all time that the Spirit is given to us. Right? Right from the get-go. And the Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is wherever you go. When I was running the trails yesterday morning, early in the morning, it's like I just heard this little whisper of God. Can you just stop a little bit and just enjoy the vista? <laughs> right? And I stop and it was like, man, yeah. And it was like this thing again. God, you, you do create a beautiful world, you know? I don't know how you do it, but you do it. <laughs> it is beautiful. And it was just, it's just the Holy Spirit is present. It's always present. It is, the church has been baptized in it. We do pray for people to receive the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit to be in you. It's a gift. I like how Richard Rohr, how he, how he describes it. That it's only a gift once you receive it. Otherwise, it just sits there. It's just there. And we just need to receive the Holy Spirit. And you hear that over and over again throughout Acts. They receive the Holy Spirit. They, re- they took it. There's a gift given. Why wouldn't we take it? But some, you know, some streams of the church have been so, ooh, we're not sure about this. <laughs> Let's not talk about it so much. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll preach from John 16. That's what we'll do. We'll teach from there where the Holy Spirit came to convict and to judge the world and stuff like that. But <laughs> the Holy Spirit's a beautiful gift for us. Beautiful gift. And it's God working in you. And you'll notice that whole thing inside. That's why Paul's, one of Paul's common phrases in his letters is, Christ in me. What's Paul talking about? The Holy Spirit in him. Not around him, in him and around him. And God working through us. Beautiful. Beautiful. Let go of any methods, formulas, steps, doctrines, expectations on how to receive the Holy Spirit. 
The reason you want to let go of that, hold it loosely if you want, like hold it loosely, because we're talking about, remember, we're talking about the God of this infinite universe. Once we say it has to be this way, otherwise, it doesn't make sense. It's a gift. My son and his daughter-in-law, they, for, for our grandson, Kit, they bought this, you know, these things you see in people's backyards. It's like a little tree house with a slide and a swing set and all that. It's all one big built thing. So they built that for him, and Kit was excited all about it because he's a kid. Of course he was excited. It's colorful, and it looks, it looks fun. And then the other day, they also added, uh, Zach text us about his Friday gift for Kit. It was, they include, they built a sandbox and put sand in it. And Kit now has a sandbox. And so then he videoed it about Kit seeing the sandbox for the first time. And when my, when my son gives him that, he doesn't expect Kit to respond a certain way or to feel a certain way or anything. It gave Zach more pleasure to get, see Kit have this gift. And Kit just had to receive it. And when we start putting expectations, it's like if I buy you a gift, I do expect you to do a little dance for me. And if you don't, or do this, or do, we don't hold it loose. How the, how the Spirit moves is how the Spirit moves. Jesus talks about the Spirit is like a wind that blows. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it's going to. He said that to Nicodemus, right? Like the Holy Spirit moves. Let the Holy Spirit move. I, I liked how John Wimber in the days of the renewal, he just, you know, couldn't explain why things happened the way they did. And he didn't try to explain it. He didn't. He just let it be. We don't know. We don't know. Well, it's messy. It's not right. Well, I don't know. He, he didn't have an answer for it. And it was right. It was the best, way to, the best way to approach it. But it's a gift. And it gives, your whole, it gives your heavenly Father great pleasure to give it to you. Great pleasure. And remember, it's the Spirit's presence we long for. Uh, the spiritual gifts, we get graced with those. And they're supernatural, Right? Yes, we need him because it's God working through us. Of course, it's supernatural. And we long for that, but that was, that's not what we pursue. We pursue the presence of the Spirit. It's when we minister to one another, when we pray for one another. It's not so much do I get a word or do I get, a, do, can I heal? Or is this person going to receive this or that or the next thing? No, it's not that. What we want when I pray, have you, do you experience Jesus with you? Do you experience the presence of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, the Holy Spirit's just so gracious. So gracious. We just have to look. We just have to receive is all we, all's we have to do. And so the whole thing about when we pray for one another, more than anything else, did the person sense the presence of God? Real quick story. I don't know if you know if you know Jackie Pullinger. She she's a missionary from Britain who missionary in Hong Kong has a mission, big mission there in the walled city. And um, she, I remember her telling the story of when she was called to somebody's house because they were really sick, 
And so she prayed for this woman, and the woman was a Buddhist, and she prayed, and she just put her hands on her, and she just prayed for her. And she asked God, what do I say to her? And what she heard, these are her words, is tell her she's a good Buddhist. And so she said to her, she said, I just want you to know the Father says you're a good Buddhist. You're a good Buddhist. Because she was. Like, like she was apparently the type of woman she was. She just honored that. She didn't understand why she was saying that. And then, and then Jesus said, she sensed, asked her if she sensed, feels anything. And she, so she asked the woman, do you feel anything? And the woman said, oh, yeah, I feel warm all inside. Right? And she said, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. Oh, and, and the woman told her, so nice. So nice. And Jackie said, would you like to have that feeling all the time? Yes. Okay. Can we just pray? She says, that's from Jesus. Oh, so nice, she said. So she just prayed for her. Can you just receive Jesus? Yes. And she received Jesus. And, and, and Jackie said, I can't explain why I said what I said. I just, I sensed the Holy Spirit saying that. And I was like, wow. It was brilliant how she did that. But just, yeah, the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. That's what we long for. And finally, it's all good because God is present with us. Here's the thing. It doesn't matter. So if we're here and the Holy Spirit, we just sense the Holy Spirit on someone over here, but I don't have it over here where I'm sitting. It's all good. Because we can say God has been with us. The Holy Spirit's been present with us. If we see the Holy Spirit moving powerfully in, a, in, I don't know, Thailand, let's say there's a huge revival, celebrate. God is present in our world, right? Well, how come we're not experiencing that? We, don't, we are. It's, our, it's in our world. Let's rejoice over that. Let's, yay, God's moving. We have so much anyway, Right? God, pour more on whatever nation. Say, come Holy Spirit. And basically, at the end of the day, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit are all evidence of the presence of God. And we celebrate that. That's why we pursue the Holy Spirit. Tab and I have been, and we continue to push, and we'll continue to push until I retire, and then it's up to her and whoever takes over to, and I'm almost out of time. (laughs) <laughs> and the intimacy with God. The Holy Spirit is as intimate as you can get. As intimate as you can get. You want the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful gift from the Father. Guys, the Holy Spirit has already been given. Just got to receive it. And, and the reason we pray for the Holy Spirit to come Some say we leak. Maybe we do. I don't know if we leak or if we just get distracted and we forget. But we need the presence of the Holy Spirit. I need to be reminded of the Holy Spirit. And I want the Holy Spirit in me. There's nothing sweeter than that. The gift has been given. We have the Spirit. The Spirit's here. God has given it. Do you want it? Do you want it? That's the question. You long for it. I long for it. 
So, Father God, we come before you. Lord, we say thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for comforting, encouraging your disciples that it's best for you to go because then the Father will send the Advocate. Holy Spirit, we say come right now. Just posture yourself to receive whatever that looks like for you. Just posture yourself to receive. We want your presence. Holy Spirit, it's you that brings the peace that passes all understanding. It's you that makes sense of our world. It's you that makes sense of our lives. I, hear the, I just hear the Holy Spirit saying it's, it's about surrender. Holy Spirit, we surrender to you right now. We just say, come. Just come, Lord. Just come. Move among us. Move in us, in our hearts. Lord, we've been praying for revival, but we want revival within us to be, to have the longing in our heart, to have that appetite restored, renewed, that we, that we thirst for you. We want to say, Jesus, what David said in that psalm of his, Psalm 42, that he thirsts for you in the same way that a deer thirsts for water. God, give us that. We have that thirst. We are thirsty. Would you, would you pour, pour out your spirit? Fill us. Quench our thirst. Reinvigorate us, Lord. Renew us. Lord, come Holy Spirit. Come, Lord, right now. Let us be a church, Lord, that longs for you all the time. Longs for your presence. Come, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord. Jesus came to his disciples and said, Peace, I leave with you. And then it says that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. With every breath you inhale, just inhale that breath of Jesus, the Holy Spirit within you. Take it deep, deep down. Come, Lord. Come, Lord, come, God. Lead us and guide us. Fill us. Fill us, Lord. Do your works through us. Say, come, Holy Spirit. Just as Krista leads us right now, just continue to stay focused on the Holy Spirit. It's not making anything happen. It's just letting the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. Let you be you. And say, I welcome you. I receive you. Thank you for the gift. Thank you. Thank you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord.